Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to The Eight. We are in part two of a series titled Heart and Tongue, and I'll kind of get that in a little bit. But I'll ask um, a question I don't know the answer to. Um, what does MRI stand for? I, 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 sh- I forgot to look this up before I asked the question, but what does MRI stand for? So I need to get, my, I need to get MRI. What does MRI stand for? Magnetic, magnetic resonance imaging. Okay, okay. So uh, some of you are laughing at me. So the, there is, we get MRIs, we get CT scans, we get so many different things done for our health. We don't understand all of it. We kind of just trust the medical staff for them to lead us on what, what we need to do. But we do all this stuff. We pay an arm and a leg for health insurance. We get our blood work done. We get the test results. We don't know what we're looking at. So we Google and pay, you know, Google and uh, copy and paste and look it up on Google. And then we freak out because we, we, we saw the worst case scenario. And we do all of this. We stress about our health because we take very seriously our physical health, right? We do tons of stuff to make sure that our physical health is okay. We take pills and do all these blood work and tests, even though we don't understand all of it. So we do all this for our physical health, but the thing that's driving this series is what do we do to monitor our spiritual health or to, to monitor our heart? Because something, regardless if you're a Christian, Orthodox Christian or not, or a Jesus follower or not, something we have all gone through, and something we can all relate to, unfortunately, is in any type of argument, in any type of conflict, we end up saying stuff that hurts other people, right? We say something, and then it explodes, and then they really hit you back with that really, you know, statement, or brought up something from the past that's really below the belt, so you say something also rude, and then all of a sudden, when everything cools down, and then another person says, well, you said this, and you say, well, I, I didn't really mean that, and like, that's not what I meant when I said this, right? We have all, we have all been hurt, we have all been hurt by words. It has a tremendous impact on us, right? Six and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, Man, this can't be any further from the truth. We have all been hurt by words. And just happens to be, sometimes the people closest to us hurt us the most. Last week, we looked through this verse uh, written around 1000 BC by King Solomon. He says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So he gives this, this, this universal guidance, wisdom, words of wisdom for us. Whatever you do, guard your heart. Because whatever you do, every action, every life decision, what we do relationship-wise, what we do financially, what we do with our time, all of that is coming from what is already implanted within our heart. So he's saying guard your heart. Guard what is going in there and what is settling in your heart. Because it's only a matter of time until it comes out. It's only a matter of time until it comes out. So, as many of you know, this is an Orthodox church. We are St. Mark Coptic Orthodox Church, and this is the eighth in which you are attending. One thing that I love so much about ancient Christianity, I use the word ancient Christianity synonymously with orthodoxy. Well, one thing that I love so much about orthodoxy is that we take pride in using visual aids to help us connect with the one who is invisible. We use what is visible to aid us in our connection with the one who is invisible. In the same reality that God, who is invisible, became visible 
through Jesus in order to show us the way to heaven, in order to redeem us, in order to restore us. So just as in life, in, uh, just at a psychological basis, we use visible items to connect us with what is invisible. I use this ring here to connect me with what is invisible. My marriage, you cannot grasp for me to say, here, I'm married. But we're using, visible, or we're using a visible item to connect me with what is invisible. So in ancient Christianity, we embrace that fully because Jesus embraced that fully. And this is the most organic expression of Christianity. So we take that very seriously. So if you look at early Christian writings, early Christian thought, they would always look at visible things of this world, look at hardships in this world, but they would be looking at it through a spiritual lens. They would look at visible items, physical items, hardships, trials, and they would be looking at it and processing all of that through a spiritual eye, through a spiritual lens of how to interpret it. They're asking themselves, where do I see God in this? Where do I find edification through this? This is the early Christian mindset. This is early Christian thought in which we try to embrace uh, ourselves 2,000 years later because this is the fullness of the Christian church, right? This is why St. Paul, when he's talking to uh, other uh, Greek philosophers, he uses Greek philosophy by telling them, in him we live and move and have our being. In Christ, this is where we live and move and have our being. It is a holistic approach. So following Jesus is not a, in case of emergency, it's not a Sunday morning thing. It's the very fabric. It is our breath. It's Im embedded into our artwork, into our senses. In every aspect, it is embedded into every aspect of who we are. I give that very lengthy introduction to share with you a beautiful quote that Sarah shared with me this week, and I, I loved it so much that I have to kind of uh, share it. So Sarah shared me this quote by a 4th century bishop by the name of St. John Chrysostom. St. John Chrysostom. St. John said these beautiful words. He was a very great communicator and preacher. He said these words in the 4th century when he is talking about how he manages his own thoughts or how he even manages what comes out of his mouth. Because, come on. We have all said things that have hurt others, and we look back and we regret saying that. But the damage is done, right? I, I, don't, mean, I don't mean to make us feel bad, but the damage is done. We, it, it already came out. It's already hurt someone. Yes, there's healing. There's hope, of course, but there's still a wound. St. John says this. Again, he says this around th 380 A.D. He says this. God has surrounded the tongue with a wall, with the barrier of the teeth. Okay, pause. I know it's kind of weird. But he's, he's looking at his physical body. He's saying, okay, God has put a barrier over what comes out, and he's given me teeth. The fence of the lips in order that it may not easily or heedlessly utter words it shouldn't speak. So what is St. John doing? He looks at his lips, and he looks at his teeth, and he says, man, if these are barriers... If these are filters before something is audibly said in my mouth, do I have barriers within my heart as well? Do I have filters that things go through before something is said out loud? Or is it just whatever's in my heart and I say it and then we justify it? Hey, I'm just speaking the truth. I'm just speaking whatever's in my heart, right? We try to justify it. We try to spiritualize it. But in reality, words are heavy. It's painful. It hurts. It creates wounds. So St. John, in his wisdom, is just giving this beautiful meditation. This is just a meditation of how he looks at his own words. He's saying he looks at his physical health, and he's using that for his spiritual health. 
He looks at his physical health, and then he projects that for his spiritual health. He's using this for the, for the health of his heart. So I really loved those words. Um, it really captures this entire series. We all have appetites, right? We all desire certain things. Temporal things, maybe not temporal things, food stuff, whatever stuff, right? We all have an appetite for more. That, that drives us on what we follow on social media. That drives us on what we do with our finances. We all have appetites. We all have desires. But here's the tension. The tension is we all have desires. We all have appetite. But the intersection is, is it to satisfy something now or is it to satisfy something for later? If we're honest with ourselves, for many of the decisions in which we make, with our time and with our finances, it's for the now. We make life decisions for the now. We love instant gratification. Why, after all these years, there are still commercials about this magic pill that's gonna make you poof, have like the best body in the world, right? Because it, it still attracts us, even though logically, scientifically, it makes zero sense. We still go all into that because we want to believe in instant gratification. We want to believe that I can order this piece of tape and it will be at my door in two and a half hours instead of me going out to the store. We love instant gratification. We love things for right now. And it drives many of our decisions and it also drives many of our financial decisions. Let me say this before you judge me. Oh, right, here's Father Nate, you're talking about money and the church and finances. Believe me, I'm not. But I do want to share the words that Jesus said about finances. Let me show you those statistics. Let me show you this. There are 2,300 references, 2,300 references related to finances and wealth in the Gospels. Just looking at the four records of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 2,300 records of things related to finances and wealth. Out of 38 parables in which Jesus gave, parables are just analogies that Jesus gave stories to, to give us spiritual food, to give us um, nourishment for our soul. Out of the 38 parables, half of them are about money. Half of them are about finances. So why am I talking about money? Because Jesus talked about money. And why did Jesus talk about money? Because if we're honest with ourselves, it drives many of our decisions. It might be a total subconscious thing, but many of our decisions is related to finances. In a healthy way or not healthy way, that's, that, 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 that's a later conversation. But there is some connection to how we manage ourselves is directly related to how we manage and how we look at finances. But let's go to Jesus' words. Jesus says this. Do not lay up, so, let me say this. You might have heard this 10,000 times. Maybe this is your first time. But let's have a clear slate as we look at Jesus' words. I don't care if this is your first time or your 100th time. Let's, let's capture the mindset or the spirit in which Jesus is trying to give us through these words, through this analogy. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. You and I cannot fully relate to some of these, this analogy because it's not really of our time, but if we make it applicable to right now, Jesus is saying, do not lay up for yourselves treasures that 
are here today and gone tomorrow. Don't put all your blood, sweat, and tears on that big vacation, and then six months later, you don't even remember where you went, right? Let's be honest. I'll speak for myself. I don't know where I went last summer or the summer before, right? We make all, the, we make all these big decisions of, of planning this big, big, big trip, and then it happens, and then sometimes at the end of the trip, we're already talking about planning a next trip. Man, we don't even remember what happened on that first trip. So we make all these decisions of scheduling our time out, but we can't even remember what happened or where did we even go. Or talk about food, right? We make all this, or what do you want to eat? Oh, let's check out this menu. You see this? And then if I ask you, what did you eat last Tuesday? Man, you don't remember what you ate last Tuesday. But we make, we make all these decisions for the now. And Jesus is saying, don't put all your mental calories. This is total paraphrasing, but you get it, right? He's saying, don't use all your energy. Don't use all your mental calories for things that come and go, right? All this comes and goes. It's here today and gone tomorrow. So he's trying to elevate their mind because... When passivity kicks in for you and me, when all the things that influence us online start to seep into our heart, it's for the now. It's for the pleasure now. It's for the convenience now. You and I get the tension of, is this for the now or for later? But we ignore it. If we're honest with ourselves, we ignore it. We want the now. We want the satisfaction now. We make the decisions now. We go with our gut, which really says, I want this for myself right now, but we use different words so we don't feel as bad, but it's all about what's in our gut. So there's always this tension about this age and the age to come. And to some degree, this is why you and I are here. There is this tension between this age and what happens to me after I die, the age to come. There is this tension within us, to some degree. It could be purely curious, or it could be driving every life decision that we make. But there is this tension between this age and the age to come, and this is exactly what Jesus is highlighting. I should have put this as like a survey question, but here's another crazy stat. You and I, on average, receive 4,000 to 10,000 notifications on our phone a day. 4,000 to 10,000 notifications on our phone today that are pulling us to focus on the now. All the, all the notifications that are coming to our phone is pulling us, in essence, to focus on the right now, on this age, and not in the age to come, right? If, if I ask you, what's the priority, this temporal world or what will happen afterward? Of course, all of us would give the perfect Sunday school answer of saying, yeah, you know, afterward. Yeah, we get it. But let's assess our life decisions. Or let's follow the cash. <laughs> let's find out where, because for many of us, that's where our heart is. That's where our life decisions are going. This helps us determine what's our focus. Where are we putting our energy? So we are bombarded with notifications and messages to focus on the now. And the younger you are, most likely you have more and more notifications. But just the average four to 10,000, but obviously Gen Z is getting probably double that, I would guess. But anywho, Jesus continues and he says these words. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and, he, and he's intentionally, intentionally saying in the most broad way, whatever you value, Whatever is a treasure to you, whatever is a priority to you, whatever gets you going, your heart is already there. 
if, if you're chasing something, your heart is already there. If there's something that's an extreme passion that drives what you do with all your time, that's where your heart is. So he's saying something very logical. He's speaking to the head, right? Whatever you treasure, whatever you value, whatever is a priority, whatever you put all your focus on, your heart, your passion is already there. But he continues. Seek first. He's not dismissing all the things, all the passions, all the hobbies. All, like, he's not dismissing that. Jesus is not there to tell you, no, you shouldn't use your finances this way. Jesus is not saying you should not go on that trip because you're splurging. Jesus is not saying that. But he's wanting to encourage us to reorient ourselves. So he says, I want you to seek first. Prioritize a different approach to life. Prioritize the tension that exists that in which we all dismiss as far as this age or the age to come. He says, embrace that tension, wrestle with that tension a little bit more. But I want you to seek first. I want you to prioritize one element first. Seek first the kingdom of God and the ethic of what is right. Not, relative, not what's relatively right. No. Seek first heaven and the ethic and morality of righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. He's saying, just, just reorder what is already your passion about. Or reorder what is your list. Reorder what, what drives you. He's just saying, re, reassess that list. Of course, out of his honor and respect for all of us, Jesus is not going to twist any of our arms as far as what to do. So yeah, sometimes hardships come our way that naturally push us to revisit the purpose of life and revisit what I'm doing with my time and with my finances. But Jesus is just putting out and, and, and is speaking to the mind here. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then the temporal things will be added onto you. Is there a temptation within you and me to hijack this verse and say, all right, so wait, I got to go to church. Sure, give God some money, do this thing for church or whatever, or just show up. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to get that promotion. All of a sudden, like, this person is going to be healed, or all of a sudden, I'm gonna, this is going to happen in my career. There is, because of our weakness, we want to project this to our temporal self. But God is saying, Jesus is saying this with heaven in mind. Seek first eternity. Seek first and prioritize the age to come. Manage your relationships having the end in mind. of What does this have to do with eternity? Look at your finances, look at your time, look at your skill set, look at your resources, look at the pain and hardships in which you and I go through. Look at it with heaven in mind. What is God wanting to refine within me through this wound, through this heartache, through this hopelessness that is trying to seep into my heart? What if that became the lens of how I look at it? If earlier, if San John Chrysostom was, talk, was just using it physically what he sees, lips and teeth, and he is using this to refine his heart, in the same way, this should be the lens of how we look at things in this temporal world. Seek first things that do not dissolve or are temporary, but seek first heaven. Then the other things will be added unto you. Last week, part one of this series, I asked the question and our suggestion, hear yourself. Because 
how I speak gives me a small sample size of what's already in my heart. But why did you word it that way? Why, did you, why were you snarky? Why, were you, why, did, why did you word it that way? Why did you send that text with that emoji or whatever? What Really, what's in your heart for real? What are you really trying to get at? Right? So hear yourself. This gives us a sample of what is already implanted within us. Because when tension comes, when conflict comes, when emotions come, it's going to squeeze in our heart and it's naturally going to come out. And it's not only going to hurt you, but it's going to be divisive to those around you. So hear yourself. And the questions I want to throw out for today for part two. What are you passionate about? And what grabs your attention? What are you passionate about? What, 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 what really gets you going? I'm not here to tell you if it's good or bad. That, that's not today. But what grabs your attention? What are you passionate about? And if you have a hard time, if it, maybe there's no immediate answer that comes to your heart. For those who are on social media, look at who you follow. That will give you an idea. And then also look at your finances. This helps determine what you're passionate about. This helps determine what grabs your attention. So if you have a hard time understanding these questions or, or not knowing what the answer is, those are two great assessments to do. You and I get to choose who we follow on social media. You and I get to choose if I want to listen to that podcast or not. You have that option of where you want to put your finances. But what drives you? What are you chasing? Because in the words of Jesus, wherever, where your treasure is, whatever you value, your heart is already there. And it throws us off from missing out on what God wants to do. You and I get to choose what settles within us. You and I choose what I want to be passionate about. What, do I, what will drive me in making life decisions? If you and I intentionally do not choose, the world will choose for us, and we will become enslaved to the temporal things of this world because it is instant gratification. It is satisfying the desires of my flesh right now. But you know you're looking for more. You know you want more. You know you're, there's a void within us looking for more. It's within us. Why? Why do I know this about myself? Why do I know that about you? Because you are beautifully the icon of God. And you are made in his image perfectly and beautifully. And he wants more from you. He wants more for you. I mentioned last week an ancient Christian prayer, which is in the prayer book in the Coptic Orthodox Church titled the Agbeya. We will pray it now, but let's not just read text on a screen, but let the words go from here to here. Because the, the goal is not just to pray repetitive prayers. The goal is for it to refine us, to restore us, to edify us. This is what the church gives us as food for our soul. And, if, and, and the, the, what I'm highlighting in this prayer is the church says, Lord, cleanse my mind, my understanding. Because when it's left to us, we do what's best for us. When it's left to us, we do what's best for us. And, not, and we don't have any bigger picture in mind. 
but the church is trying to reorient us for us to seek first the kingdom of God. Let's stand together and let us pray the morning prayer from the Igbeya. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. O God, who causes the light to burst forth, who lets his sun shine upon the righteous and the wicked, who created the light which illuminates the whole world, enlighten our minds, our hearts, and our understandings, O Master of all, and grant us to please you this present day. Guard us from every bad thing, from every sin, and from every adversity of power. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord, with whom you are blessed, with the Holy Spirit, the life giver, and one essence with you, now and at all times, and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. Lord, the pressures that surround us to focus on the superficial aspects of life, the pressures that around us, O Lord, that are trying to seep within our heart, which we know are toxic, which we know are divisive, Lord, restore us. Cleanse us for our heart to be set on you, for our mind to be set on the kingdom of heaven, for us to manage ourselves in this temporal world with the end in mind, with heaven in mind. Lord, give us clarity of thought to embrace this tension of the now versus later, and for us to have our hearts and our eyes on you. Through the prayers of all your saints, O Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. Enjoy the Super Bowl tonight.